Hi, I'm Deborah Hamilton. Welcome to my podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? Ten years ago, with my iPhone and a script, I recorded the first episode of the Ultimate Pet Resolution Summit, which chatted with experts about conflicts over animals. Our conversations were intimate, honest, and illustrated how disagreements over animals occur and how those disagreements can reshape people's lives and relationships. In November 2019, I started Why Do Pets Matter, a new podcast that continued these informative discussions. I'm so excited to have you here with me, continuing my exploration into a more meaningful conversation about why pets matter to all of us. My guests and I will share ideas, stories, and experiences straight from the heart, unscripted and holistic. From the bravest moments to the most brokenhearted, we will explore how to resolve disagreements over animals differently. One thing I know for sure is I want to have more meaningful conversations that will help all of us unlock that deeply felt human-animal bond that drives the emotions of conflict. On today's Why Do Pets Matter, we talk to Jan Jeremias of a Spoil Your Dog Essential Oil uh, creator, she is an incredible fountain of information with respect to helping your dogs transition from your home to a new home, uh, from surgery to recovery, uh, from even at the end of life, using essential oils, having your dog live its best life, uh, using essential oils and a holistic method um, as one of the tools in your toolbox. So now let's hear Jan talk about how she got started, how animals were a big part of her life, how she and I both wanted to be vets, but that didn't happen. Um, and how now uh, her life has come full circle where she's working with people and their pets using essential oils to make sure everyone has their best life and pets do matter. So let's listen to what she has to say. Hi, Deborah Hamilton, and you're listening to the Why Do Pets Matter podcast, and I'm so glad to be here with my friend and colleague, Jan Jeremias. She is with Aroma Lotus Yoga, which she created. Also, the reason she's here on Why Do Pets Matter is because, quite frankly, her spoil your pet with essential oils information that we'll hear more about later. It is my pleasure to welcome you to Why Do Pets Matter, Jan. Thank you so much, Deborah. So glad to be here. Uh, so we always ask our guests one question and go from there. And um, I always forewarn for everyone who's listening, my guests, what that one question is, which is why do pets matter to you? So Jan, why do pets matter to you? Outside of the practical reason is that it's a living for me now. <laughs> it was far more a passion before it was a living, a way to um, you know stay afloat in these um, economic times. but. I can't remember a time when pets did not matter to me. You know, I think from the earliest point of that, I can remember animals were always a huge part of my life, even when we didn't have anything. I just thought they were, you know, they were beautiful. They had this ability to love unconditionally and just, you know, take us for who we were, even at a very young age. Um, yeah, I just think that that was an enamored with them and actually their beauty. I was really obsessed when I was very young with horses and just the whole like the when they ran, it was just like, oh, my gosh, this thing is just exquisite. So tell me a little bit more about your experiences with horses, because I always like to talk about uh, pets other than dogs and cats, because the majority of people have dogs and cats. But if you are experiencing the beauty of horses, tell us how, because I, too, feel that horses um, are beautiful, especially 
the way they're put together, the way they move and the way they smell. Yeah. I, I, I never really had muscle. It wasn't like I had a huge amount of exposure to them. I mean, I grew up in Connecticut in farm country. And so a lot of people had horses. So there were quite a few people that had horses, but I also grew up very close to university of Connecticut, which originally was um, an, agric an agricultural school. So they had, you know, farm animals in their own dairy. And so I just think that I had this, you know, awe when I looked at them. And it could have also been like, I was never afraid of the size. I think I just looked at it as obviously when you're a kid, <laughs> been larger than they are when you're an adult, obviously, <laughs> you know, but it was just this, you know, I think I loved to, to watch them move. I mean, I rode a little bit, but I rode a little bit, but I wasn't really like, I can't say I rode, you know, horses. Yeah. Yeah, I, I rode a little bit too. And uh, so believe it or not, in Queens, where I grew up, there was a little Arvindale farm that had horses and they used to hand you the horse and tell you to take it out by yourself. And um, of course, I, I was alive in the 60s, but they did things like that. And we would take the horses down to Cunningham Park, ride around and then come back. Uh, after, you know, we'd look at our watches and make sure we only kept the horses out an hour. And uh, we were admonished at the time to make sure that we brought them back, not sweating. So we had to make sure we didn't race to the barn, uh, which was hard because the horses often wanted to race to the barn. Uh, but I have to say, when you said the beauty, that is what really enraptured me with horses. I, um, I, I'm sure that your experiences, experiences with them probably included at least um, watching them, watching them move and watching other people, if you didn't ride them, ride them, and maybe even, you know, brushing them or doing something like that. Yeah, feeding sugar cubes or carrots, you know, and um, petting them when, you know, if they came up to a fence, uh, I think it was always in awe of their size, and yet they were quite gentle. I mean, obviously, these were horses that were used to being around people, so... But, you know, remember climbing up on the fence, you know, as a kid and, you know, petting them. And that never changed because, you know, a number of years ago, I had a friend who had a friend who had horses and we went by. And I think once you it's kind of like once that impression is made as a kid, there's always this feeling of majesty or majestic quality that they have. Yeah, it's amazing. So now you don't have any horses, uh, probably never did have any horses, uh, <laughs> but you have a dog right now. Yeah, I, um, I have had um, quite a number of pets through my adult life, uh, which, you know, I never even, it was like, it was more like, when can I get in a pet, a pet as an adult, you know, where, I was the one that, you know, because when you're growing up, your parents say no, yes, you know, rightfully so. But I was like, okay, now I'm an adult, I can get my own pet, you know, and so um, I have a dog now who actually runs like a horse. And I think that's probably why I'm so enamored with him. Um, he is part greyhound. And when he runs, he like, like you see the muscles on a horse, you can see every muscle kind of just defined. It's just remarkable. And he loves to run, which yeah. also reminds me of horses, you know, that kind of natural ability to just want to let loose. Kick up their heels and run. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I always pray that he doesn't go after a deer or something because I'll probably never get him back. I'm always like, please don't chase anything when you're not like, if you happen to get off leash, because I that you would actually come back to me. Yeah, with enough of a, a tantalizing thing at the end. Yeah, it's hard for them to turn around and come back. 
Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, but he does, he's so gorgeous. And then I've had multiple cats through the years and um, I had another dog, which kind of started me on the path of working with animals at all, even though it wasn't a childhood dream, actually, I, I wanted to be a veterinarian and didn't pursue that route. And so I feel like it's so interesting that here I am now at the end of, not at the end of my life, but sort of in this aspect of my career and just saying, oh, okay, well, here I am. And I actually got my dream. Yep. So tell us a little bit more about the dream as a, a child. So I also wanted to be a veterinarian. Chemistry hated me. So that wasn't ever going to be a dream that could be fulfilled. However, I'm working in the animal field too. So tell us a little bit more about the dream and how it's come to fruition. So I wanted to be a vet. I remember when I was little and I remember, um, I don't know why I think that multiple people said, why do you want to be a vet, be a doctor or go into health? And I was like, I don't know, I guess I listened, which, you know, doesn't matter whether I should have or shouldn't have, because here I am. And I actually, um, was going to go to medical school and decided to do research in between and decided that I didn't really want to be a doctor, that I liked the research. I liked the problem solving and the exploration and the creativity. And so that's really why I decided to concentrate on research because it, it was actually exciting. I loved solving problems. And so it was really a nice way to keep my mind going. And so then eventually I had a dog at the time when I was doing research who got quite ill and I didn't you know, I was seeing a vet and I loved my vet actually. He's a great guy, but it was a little bit, some of the options he was offering me were not, um, didn't sort of resonate with me. And I wanted some other alternative pathways to kind of explore, to see if I could help her. And, you know, I started dabbling and doing things like Reiki and gentle massage and essential oils and they helped her. And then I had all these people contacting me <laughs> like, you know, what can I do with my pet, you know, kind of thing. And so that kind of, it kind of evolved on its own, you know, where all of a sudden people were like calling me or friends were calling me about friends. And I was like, okay, you know, this is what I would suggest. You know, I'm always clear to people. I'm not a veterinarian. I, you know, did study quite a bit of science, anatomy and biology. And so I really don't understand the body. So I can usually make some fairly good, you know, recommendations that will work well with traditional modalities. So in your practice of, you know, aroma lotus yoga, you do for people um, the same kind of things that now you're branching out to help animals in a way that's <clears throat> acknowledging that you're not a veterinarian, but that sometimes uh, aromas um, and essential oils can make us and our dogs feel so much better. So why do pets matter in, in your neck of the woods? It would be that there are ways to make our dogs feel secure, especially with the passing of holidays that make them nervous, like the 4th of July. There are different things you can do. So tell me a little bit more about how you um, do help your clients, both with a little ad adjustments that are safe and, and um, not going to uh, harm the pets, uh, but also with the essential oils that might actually make your pet um, feel so much better. It was so interesting with the animals because I got on the phone the other day with um, a friend of mine who just got an oil and she said she put it on her hands and literally her dog like lay down, rolled over and went on his back for his belly to be rubbed. It was hysterical. So 
She said, I wish I said, you have to film it for me, you know, but they're so attuned and so sensitive. And so I think using something like essential oils is really helpful on multiple aspects. One is it's, you know, it's that human animal connection. I mean, the aspect of touch, which we all know um, is helpful in healing. So I think that element, let's say for anxiety is really calming. Uh, and the, power we i mean we all know the power of smell i think we smell something we can remember exactly where we smelled it we remember the experience we remember you know whatever it is you know cinnamon from holidays and all of a sudden you know and i think our animals sense of smell our pet's sense of smell is so much more profound than ours so i think we should not overlook that aspect in their healing just like ours and so I love that aspect. And yeah, it's kind of funny. I work with both people and pets, but I actually brought, came to the whole path through my animals. So <laughs> I worked with animals first and then kind of worked on the human aspect. Well, cause that's what I did with myself. I used them on her and then I used them on myself yep. and being the very clinical research oriented, very traditional Western medicine oriented. It wasn't something I um, actually ever thought I do or ever thought I would actually hold like any sort of credibility to, but yet the science is out there now and there's a lot of research around it. So, but it, yeah, I was brought. So I actually work with both and that relationship and that connection, because I feel like they really truly tell us a lot about who we are as people. So do people come to you um, with their animals and stay for themselves or do they come with to you for themselves and bring their animals or both? Both. You know, I have people who come to me for their animals and then actually will um, begin to use them on themselves. And then I have the reverse. Some people never convert over. So it's like they use them on their animals and they never will kind of dabble in that modality for themselves you know, and that's always kind of an interesting path to me because I'm also trying to kind of lead them in that direction if they will go. It's so funny that people um, apply things to their pets and don't think that if they're helping their pets be less nervous, let's say, that that wouldn't necessarily also work for them in stressful situations. It's interesting that you don't um, uh, visualize that for yourself. I, I think it's always very interesting, but I don't think it's different for kids. Cause I think, you know, I have a friend who used essential oils on her kids for years. And she said, all of a sudden it was like, or I'm on one of her kids. And she said, all of a sudden I was like, why am I not using this on the rest of the family? Like, it's like, we very much so compartmentalize our lives that sometimes it's very hard to see beyond <laughs> that little Expanding box. Your, your worldview, you know, what else can I apply to make sure that I feel better. And I think during you know the pandemic and everything else, people were using uh, various different modalities, not just to hopefully avoid getting um, COVID, but also um, reducing the stress of being isolated. No, absolutely. I think that that's why multiple, I think millions of people got pets because of that isolation and that company. I always say that I don't know if I would have survived COVID without my pets, you know, but I do think that people turn to different modalities and different, um, different modalities to cope with the situation of isolation and fear and all the other things that, you know, came up over the past few years the trauma, 
which I think it was very traumatic for the majority of people. And I think our pets absolutely felt that trauma through us. So even if they were not traumatized because we were home and although they didn't get as much sleep as they used to get um, because we're home, I saw so many cartoons that said the dogs and cats, especially the cats said, get the heck out. You know, you're <laughs> <laughs> uh, the trauma they might've gone through was that we were always there, but we were going through trauma. And I'm sure in your work, um, seeing how the dogs uh, react to you and maybe give you a, an idea of what you need to do um, as well as what you need to do for them. Absolutely. You know, I always say our pets are just a mirror of us and my animals have always shown me completely who I am and what I'm doing to the extent where, you know, I'll sit there and I'll be like, okay, I'm trying, like, I'll be anxious. I'll be like, okay, I'm trying to control it. Like <laughs> doing the best I can here. Um, but I think that absolutely. I think that our animals are really just an extension. I had a friend who was a dog behaviorist and he said, he used to always say the leash is just an external, external umbilical cord. And I loved that phrase because I feel like they really are extensions of us and they really do everything we go through. They really go through. Yeah, it, it, they, they really are. They do go through everything we go through. And as you have clients and you, you look at them with their pets um, what are some of the, uh, things you're finding pets experiencing now, um, that you hadn't seen before? Uh, I'm, I'm thinking that there's probably some, um, anxiety because you're leaving. It was, it was interesting that most people said, well, you got a new dog and now you're going to leave him and he, <clears throat> excuse me, and he's never been alone before and he might destroy the house. And I'm thinking, you know, my older dogs would be like, wait a minute, you were here and now you're gone. And they might get a little anxious. Yeah, I think the biggest thing I'm think seeing now is I've had probably, I want to say, a number of calls over the past week and a half with animals that are aggressive to, you know, showing aggressive behavior. And that I just shown before that they hadn't shown before. Mm -hmm. And I think that you know, this whole idea of having somebody home and, you know, Tonka has a job when I'm here, you know, he has a job and that job is to protect me and protect the house. And, you know, he's very well-trained, but I think for an animal that's not well-trained and hasn't really been properly socialized and isn't used to strangers, all of a sudden somebody coming into my space or into my home with my humans, you know, so I think that that's what I'm, seeing a lot and I'm not a dog behaviorist and I'm always very clear people seeking professional help in situations like that, because I think there's a lot of things that can happen that we don't want to happen. Um, but, you know, but I really feel like that, you know, there are in conjunction with good dog behavior or dog be animal behaviorists, there is, you know, alternative ways of trying to relieve anxiety and stress and, you know, and introducing other people into that process so that it's not only you. You know, I mean, it's so interesting you said that because I um, had a dog who uh, 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 during the pandemic became very protective of me. And I realized the reason 
she became really protective of me was because every time we walked past someone during COVID, I would pull her leash close so that we wouldn't be near them because we had to stay six feet away. So she picked up, as you said, the leash is an extension of you. She picked up that something made me nervous about when people walk by. And so now you really can't let her visit with people because she puts on her best act of um, aggression that she ever, and, and she was eight or nine when this happened. She wasn't a young puppy. She was eight or nine and happy as a clam and greeted everyone for eight years, happily tail wagging. And then the, you know, 18 months of COVID where we were walking uh, and steering clear of everyone made her very apprehensive. So what you what you said was so impactful to me because it did happen to me. It happened to me with a dog who I'd lived with for eight years and never had an issue like that in a million years. She also started to dislike white dogs, which was really not nice. Um, so that was bad. However, um, the interesting piece is that I'm sure there, you know, there we take we take care of her behavior. We're very aware of it. Um, however, I'm sure there's some essential oil that we might have worked with that we didn't that could have at least made her a little calmer um, in that it would it would make it because I know when I use essential oils, so I only can you talk for mine because I've never used them on my dogs, but that's why you're here on Why Do Pets Matter? Because I want people to know you're out there and that essential oils are available to people for their pets to calm them down. And some people might be way smaller than, smarter than me. I know they have them for cats. They have some essential oil that you can, that they sell if you're moving a cat from point A to point B and you want them to move quietly. But for, you know, Roxy, the, the um, apprehension she feels when you're walking her on a leash is something that if we, you know, put a drop on her nose before she left or whatever, maybe on her leash so that it would be around her neck, whatever it is, she would be a little less on guard, so to speak. Well, it's interesting that you were talking about walking because about a year ago I moved and Tonka is a dog's dog, loves other dogs. And when I first moved in and I was walking my neighborhood, I mean, on leash, I mean, he got pretty like, aggressive with a few other dogs. And the only thing I can think of is that, I mean, here's a dog that loves other dogs that well, it was the anxiety of the move and the fact that he was in a new location. We had a temporary place we lived for, for what well, was supposed to be like a month, but with COVID turned out to be six months. So we weren't, so we had a lot of transition and then he got here. And that just to show that they also change with age because all of a sudden he's much more of a people per people dog than he used to be. Yeah. He used to be very happy with dogs and could care less about people. There were like four humans he really loved. And now it's like everyone you know, is his friend. He hasn't met anyone who isn't his friend. Right. That's right. He wants everybody to pet him, you know? And so I'm like, boy, this is a change, you know, like, and he was, you know, I, I mean, he's 10. So I moved when he was nine. So, you know, it's, it's amazing the different phases they go through because they do sometimes change. I think, so I had the same experience you did, which was, you know, Roxy had moved out of her house of eight years to another house. Uh, so that was a shift for her. We were in COVID where I was making sure she was close to me. So that was a shift in, and I never walked them at my house. I would walk in the backyard because we had like two acres. So we just walk in the backyard. So she never went on walks. Now she's going on walks. And as she's going on walks where she would gleefully go on walks at a dog show, um, 
she would then, I would pull her close and that would be something that was foreign to her and that shifts it. So you had the same experience, you moved and then there was COVID and everybody stayed longer than ever wherever they were because of COVID. And the dogs definitely pick up on that um, experience and, and they become different and educate us on why they're different and how they're different. And we really need to shift the way we um, take care of them. I think it's lately, especially dealing with all, you know, my own pets and talking to so many people that um, you realize that dogs act the way they do for a reason, you know, or pets act the way they do for a reason. Like if a dog's aggressive, there's a reason why it's aggressive, you know? And I think that people forget that it's like, they look at, oh my gosh, you know, my animal, my pet is misbehaving. Oh gosh, you know, what can I do? But to look at yourself and to look at the circumstance, which also is challenging sometimes because when I'm going through it too, that's right. And when I'm talking to people, I'm getting it secondhand. So I don't, I didn't see the situation, which is also sometimes hard because it's their description of what happened. And I'd love to see what the dog's reaction was like, what the, what the almost conversation was like body language and everything, because it's all valuable. And for, you know, it's all valuable and really important to what ended up happening, what, you know, transpired in the, in the circumstance. It's interesting that you've come full circle from wanting to work with dogs, doing something else, and then coming back to working with people and their dogs, uh, which is what I do, but in a totally different way. But yet you create a peaceful environment for the people and the dogs to live in as well. Tell me a little bit more about the things you've seen happen um, with the use of essential oils. I, I work a lot with people with older dogs. That just seems to be the people who come to me for whatever reason. Sometimes it's, you know, veterinary expense and the fact that they can't afford traditional modalities and they're like, okay, well, I don't want my animal to suffer. And I want to do, you know, I want to do well by them and I love them, but I really can't do what they're asking me to do. Or it's just like, okay, my, you know, when my cat got sick and had to have surgery or they thought about having, doing surgery. I mean, she was a, he was, he was 18. I wasn't doing surgery on an 18 year old cat, but I also didn't want him to suffer. So a lot of it is just that peace you can bring to people and that empowerment of that people can receive for just being able to do something for their animals. Cause I think what happens is we end up feeling very helpless. It's like, it's horrible to watch something that you love deteriorate and suffer. And then to, you know, sit there and think, oh my gosh, I can't do anything. And then, you know, that you're doing something, something that's going to give them, um, the best quality of life, which is really what we all want. So that's right. And the ease and peace to transition. That's right. And I think there is that also, obviously, because I think that sometimes, you know, I work with people who aren't ready for whatever reason, really, maybe the animal should be put to sleep, you know, it's old, it's sick, but, you know, we all have our own reasons why, you know, my first dog, I think that, you know, maybe I points I should have, but I just couldn't bear to be without her, you know, and so I think we all make those choices, but I think that that also allows people to have that time, that really quality time with their animal. And the animal Uh, is in um, a comfort zone, and that's what they're looking for, the animal to be in a comfort zone. It's not like you're giving it medication, but you're giving it some ability to um, feel good while everyone's wrapping their head around um, either losing them or um, it's 
recovering from surgery or whatever so that you can bring it to a place where it's calm because a lot of times when dogs get out of surgery that they're going to recover from uh that transition sometimes is very difficult i always say you know you can't tell them well I did this surgery because you had stones in your kidney and we had it, or you had a rock in your belly because you ate it or whatever it is. And essential oils can often give them that sense of calm while they're recuperating. So, you know, not necessarily always have the cone around their head or whatever, if you're in the room kind of thing. Right. I mean, the other thing is, you know, I have people who call because let's say, you know, like you said, surgery. And some of those surgeries, you know, could be things like orthopedic surgeries, which I sometimes find the most challenging because usually you're taking, or a lot of times you have a very active dog that all of a sudden, you know. Yeah. Cruciate surgery. The surgery is the easy part. That's right. It's the keeping the the dog crated or from not jumping or whatever. And you know, if we think about that, I think it's, you know, I know when I've gotten injured, it's very anxiety causing, especially if you're used to moving, you're kind of like, it expends energy and anxiety. So if you look at an animal that's anxious anyway, a dog, and then all of a sudden they do have surgery where they can't expend that energy of that anxious energy, like by going for a walk or a run, all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, this animal is like beside itself for, you know, it's, because it can't move like it wants to. And mom and dad are trying to control me and not let me move. And, and you feel mean as mom and dad. And, and, you know, it is, it is the most delicate dance and to be able to give them peace. I always say to people, you know, the surgery is the easy part. And the first 24 hours post-surgery are usually really easy too, because they're still anesthetized to a great, uh, it's 48 hours after when first of all, they're a little frightened what the heck went on. And then they're looking to you for answers and you're putting them in a crate and they're like, what's this about? I'm never in a crate. Um, and it, you know, you are taking them for a six foot leash walk instead of a flexi walk or letting them run around the backyard. What's that all about? And you really do need to have a way to communicate. And sometimes the best way to communicate is to take the edge off and the edge off, not necessarily just being painkillers where they might go to sleep a lot of times because the painkillers are good and that they're prescribed by the vet and you give them to them. But often you can um, augment that by just having them in a situation like the cats to a new um, environment where that atomizer or, you know, the little drop on their nose or whatever, which will make them feel more calm at the time. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's those transitionary times sometimes, because I get the same comment from people who just like, who rescue an animal. And when they first get them home, animals are not truly behaving the way that that's like their natural behavior. You know, they're frightened and you know, and all these they things blossom once they get there for better or for worse. That's right. And then all of a sudden they relax and yeah. all of a sudden you get an animal that's like, oh my gosh, this is a totally different dog than our cat than I brought home after a month because it's now, okay, well now I know I'm staying. 
You know, it's funny you said that because I always say to people who take a puppy home or who take a dog from rescue, you know, the first week or two, you're right. They're nervous. They don't know. They, you know, if they're smart because they've been through rescue a few times, they are on their best behavior. They remember what got them punished and what didn't because they're really smart. Um, puppies, you know, don't get into mischief as much because you're very diligent the first week or two and they aren't as um, uh, curious the first week or two. And then all of a sudden curiosity kicks in and your shoes get chewed and the sheetrock gets chewed and everything else gets chewed. And they run away when they used to come all the time, they run away. And, um, you know, the older dogs, you know, slip and say, well, you know, they like me. And I always say, you know, they always do that. Uh, once they know they've got you, uh, most of the time you'll stay and they'll live through it, but really, if you can give them something that is, you know, medicinal, but not medicinal, meaning that the essential oils will give them the opportunity to, to take a little bit of a chill, um, that might be a thought uh, because that way the dog's transition from rescue to house is, is assisted as well as um, once in the house uh, from well-behaved dog because I wanna stay to, oh, I'm a free-for-all now. So I just had someone who adopted a dog and only had 48 hours to evaluate it. I wish I'd put her in touch with you because the dog nipped her father and nipped her husband. And otherwise it was a great dog. It fetched it, you know, came what was called, it walked well on a leash. And I said, you know, 48 hours does not an evaluation really make. However, nipping is something that people will really return a dog to a rescue for. However, if we were able to figure out how to take that edge off using some essential oils, may or may not work, right? But could, and work with an animal behaviorist to understand why the nipping happened, um, that dog could have had a phenomenal home. So I'm so glad that we um, have had you because you've given so much eye-opening information because essential oils really are that beauty that you were talking about and that dream that you were talking about at the beginning, but it will help us live um, a more deeply understanding life with our pets uh, during their transitions, uh, during our transitions with them and they don't understand. So it'll help us with that um, during uh, surgical things that will keep the edge off. And then of course, if you're bringing a new dog home that has a whole different history, either as a puppy um, or as an older dog, I think and correct me if I'm wrong, I think that, you know, getting involved um, and checking it out with someone who deals with essential oils that can help uh, might be the first great step before uh, you start medicating them um, to be quiet. I know that that's a big thing in veterinary medicine now, but this might be the, the best first step with an animal behaviorist and then work with your veterinarian if you can't get past whatever behavior is really stressing the dogs out. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I always say that there's no substitute. So there are some basics, you know, good nutrition, exercise. I mean, I always say you can't expect a dog to behave if they're like, if they're an active dog and you haven't done anything with them, you know, like yeah. I mean, you can't come home yeah. and say I'm walking around the block and then sit quietly in the corner. That's right. You know, and so I always say that. And I think there are a few other transitions which people can think about. I mean, I think traveling is hugely a transition point for people and everybody's taking vacations, whether you take your pet with you or you don't take your pet with you, you know, that transition. So they're going to be staying with someone else. They're going to be kenneled or whatever. It's always a good idea to see if you have essential oils or if you can get essential oils and the person who's caring for them will apply them. It might make that transition easier. If you're 
taking them with you, as we were talking about the whole moving aspect and the fact that their routine has changed and all of a sudden, you know, we're staying in a hotel or on a campsite or wherever. And now all of a sudden we're asking them to not be affected by that. You know, it's like, okay, well, you could be, you just be the same because we're, and we're just going to move locations. Right. And that absolutely doesn't work. Jan, <laughs> this has been so educational for me. And I know it's been educational for all of my listeners. I love the fact that we talked about so many things, but at the end here, we're talking about this transition. And there's so many times when, if they get in touch with you, um, they can work through these transitions in um, a holistic way, which is great. How do they get in touch with you, Jan, at the end so that they can, I'm gonna put it in the end notes too as well, everyone, uh, but how would they get in touch with you if they wanna talk more about this? Um, the best way is either if people are on LinkedIn to go through LinkedIn, that's always a really great way. And I'm on that a lot. And then Facebook is really good. If you're a social media person, those are usually the best ways um, to reach me. Um, I would say email, but I'm not, I have to, to be honest to our listeners, email is not my best mode of communication these days. <laughs> I get too much junk mail and then I weed through all the, and I lose all the important stuff. And to me, this is really important. So get me where you can get me. That's or right on messenger. So it would be Jan Jeremiah. Um, and it would, uh, it wouldn't be spoil um, your dog with essential oils. It would be Jan Jeremiah. Yeah. Jan Jeremiah. Is the Perfect. Best. Perfect. Awesome. Well, until next time, everyone, I hope this has been one of our best, I think so, uh, podcasts. Uh, let me know in the, in the notes and in the comments. And until next time, kiss your dogs for me. This is Deborah Hamilton, and you've been listening to the Why Do Pets Matter podcast. The Why Do Pets Matter podcast drops every Thursday and can be found on whichever platform you find your podcast. Subscribe now, invite your friends, and I cannot wait to have you join me in these conversations.